back and <laughs> I need help, guys. <laughs> oh, especially this week. Uh, first, I want before I even start, start even say welcome. I want to thank you guys. Um, Jim's sister passed away on the twenty fourth, and I I can tell you we were so blessed by the thoughts and the prayers and the cards and the calls that we received. Um, I, prayer is just an incredible thing. Uh, that can bring peace in the midst of loss and sadness. It can be bring peace in the midst of anxiety and fear. Um, so just thank you. Thank you from the bottom of our, both our hearts. Now, good morning <laughs> and, and welcome to worship. Last week I had the privilege of, of uh, delivering the message again at Sawney River, uh, Sawney Ridge Church incoming. Um, it's a new church plan up there. And ladies and gentlemen, I can tell you that God is on the move. He is literally on the move, not only here at the way, but all over the place. It's been really exciting to be able to see how he's working in the lives of other congregations. But as the old saying goes, there's no place like home. So it is like coming home to come back here as we gather together. So welcome, brothers and sisters, those of you gathered here in the sanctuary, as well as those of you who are joining us and gathering with us from home. If you happen to be joining for the first time today, I am Pastor Andy, and I am blessed and honored to be able to serve in this place with alongside Pastor Andy. We're glad you're here. You're always welcome to come and be a part of what God is doing in and through our community of faith here at The Way, where we are committed to sharing in hope, living with purpose for the sake of others. Last week, Pastor Andy introduced our summer series, Did Jesus Really Say That? When we think about Jesus and the interactions that he had with people, you know, a lot of times we often think of those times where he said things and did things that were encouraging and they were comforting, or they were kind and they were loving, and they were full of compassion. But we have to remember that when Jesus spoke, he spoke truth at all times. His words always carried meaning and purpose. And as we will see with today's scripture, there were times when he spoke truth boldly, and his words may have even sounded harsh to those who heard them. Please turn with me to the book of Matthew, the first book in the New Testament, to the 16th chapter in verses 21 to 23. Now hear the word of God. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. 
Dear most gracious God, we ask, Lord, this morning that you speak to each and every one of our hearts as we look at these harsh words that Jesus said and we look and examine what he meant and what his purpose was in these words, what they may mean for us personally today. And it is in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that we pray. Amen. Whoa, get behind me, Satan. Not only did Jesus tell Peter to get away from him in so many words, but yes, it sounds like Jesus also called Peter a name, Satan. But Jesus doesn't start stop there. He continues by telling Peter that he's a stumbling block. What in the world is going on here? And what about Peter? He's shown us elsewhere in scripture that he can be hot-headed and that he doesn't always think before he speaks or acts. But the nerve of him, who does he think he is rebuking Jesus? Who? Well, to understand this more fully, we need to back up several more verses and see what's been going on. And the verses immediately preceding this interaction between Jesus and Peter In verses 13 to 20, we see that Jesus and his disciples are in Caesarea Philippi, and Jesus asks his disciples a very important question. Who do people say the Son of Man is? Now, Jesus has already used this phrase, the Son of Man, at least nine times earlier, as because it's recorded that many times in the book of Matthew. So they realize that he's talking about himself. Now, the disciples reply that some people say he's John the Baptist. Others say he's Elijah. And still others say that Jesus is Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But then comes the bigger questions. Jesus asks, but what about you? Who do you say I am? Immediately, Simon Peter answers, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. Now, some may think that Peter responded impulsively again, but based on this quick response, even though it was given so quickly, Jesus replies, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Now, there's a lot to unpack in that response from Jesus. First, there's that blessing on Peter. But then Peter says something that we must never overlook. And we might, if we just read through that, we might not take to heart what he says. So we need to to zero in on this one. Jesus' words were, Blessed are you, Peter, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood but by my Father in heaven. Now, we might not even stop and think about Peter's words because we have all of Scripture 
that tells us about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, one God, three and three persons. But this theological concept, this concept, this understanding of a relational God was not developed in Peter's time. Peter did know the loving kindness of Jesus, of having a relationship with him. He had seen Jesus and how Jesus ministered to people of all sorts and all kinds with all kinds of issues. But what Jesus said is very important for not only Peter to understand, but for us to understand as well. Jesus had just taken this moment to explain that that our theological understanding, our understanding of who God is and what his will is, comes not from us figuring it out, but it comes from God revealing himself to us through scripture. And it's clear that through scripture, we can, as God reveals himself, truly get a true picture of the character of God and his will for his entire creation. But there was more here. Jesus goes on to say say to to Peter after the blessing, he says, I I tell you, you're Peter, and on this rock I'm going to build my church, and the gates of Hades won't overcome it. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Peter, the rock. I love the first song. Yeah, rock, yes. Jesus is telling Peter that he will have a foundational role in the building up of the church. But that strong, firm foundation that Peter's standing on is Jesus. Amen? Yes. Peter may not fully understand what that concept of church is, though. He knew what a synagogue was. He knew what a temple was. But church was new. Now, it would be negligent if I didn't share that these two verses have been historically two of the most contested verses in the Bible. From about the 4th century, the Catholic Church has interpreted these verses as the primary basis for the primacy of the Bishop of Rome. But we, as Protestants, believe that it's Peter's testimony of faith in Jesus Christ that is the foundation of the church, not Peter himself. But regardless of which one of those views you take, the rock, that image of a rock upon which other stones are laid and built over time has significance for us even today. We are to be disciples who make disciples by sharing the good news of Christ with others. Peter later on writes in in 1 Peter these words, As you come to him, the living stone, Jesus, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Jesus gave Peter authority and it is this authority that will enable the building of that spiritual house, the church. 
people down through the generations who confess Jesus as the Son of God and confess him as, his, as their personal Savior. As we follow Jesus and his teachings, we become like living stones that are part of that spiritually growing holy priesthood. A holy priesthood is people that are set aside from the ways of the world to represent Jesus in the world. And Jesus went even further. He tells Peter that he's giving him the keys of the kingdom of heaven and all authority. And this is an authority that will be get that will transfer from earth to heaven. This is important, folks. Jesus is now acknowledging that the church, the church, the universal church of which we are part of, will be where the kingdom of heaven becomes manifest, becomes real. As we become, each one of us individually, become living stones, growing in the likeness of Jesus, and as we share that love of Christ with others, we can indeed experience the kingdom of God on earth. The church is to be where the Father answers Jesus' prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Okay, and finally, we come to today's passage. We're told that it was after these things had occurred, after Peter had received that authority, so he felt like he could talk to Jesus and rebuke him because he had authority now. It's after those things that we come to today's passages. And in this passage, Jesus starts out by telling his disciples what's going to happen. He's going to go to Jerusalem. He's going to undergo great suffering. He's going to be killed, and he's going to be raised on the third day. We're told that this is when impulsive Peter takes Jesus aside and begins to rebuke Jesus with these words, Never, Lord, this will never happen to you. Now, based on Peter's reaction, we might assume that he missed that last part of Jesus' message of what he said about being raised on the third day, or else he just didn't understand what that meant. Has that ever happened to you? You've been reading something or you've heard something and you react and you miss something else that's very important? Or it could be that Peter's reaction might have just been based on his own ideas regarding the Messiah. The Messiah was the one who was to come and restore the Jewish kingdom by overthrowing her oppressors. That was Peter's idea. But here Jesus is talking about suffering and dying. This just doesn't fit with Peter's idea. So Peter proceeds to use that new authority that he's been given to keep this from happening and to protect Jesus. And it's at this point that those words come from Jesus' mouth. He corrects and he convicts Peter. Get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind 
the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Yes, Jesus really did say this. Get behind me. Get away from me. You see, Jesus knew why he came to earth. He came on a rescue mission. He came to demonstrate the love of God and the power of God. He came to die and to be raised to new life by the power of God to demonstrate that we too can be given new life by the power of the Holy Spirit as we die to self. This was indeed part of the divine plan of how God triumphs over the forces of evil and darkness. Hence come those words. Get behind me, Satan. It is Satan who tries to block God's plans. Peter points out, Jesus points out to Peter with these words that Peter really isn't focused on God anymore. He's focused on what he wants. And how he thinks things should play out. Now we need to be careful not to be too tough on Peter. Because we too face that same temptation probably every day. To impose our will on God's will. May we be open to hear our Lord's corrections when that happens. I want to leave you with a thought and a couple of questions as we close today. The thought, Jesus knew his purpose entering into humanity. He states it very clearly in prayer as he prepares to go to the cross. In, in uh, John 17, Jesus prays the high, what is sometimes referred to as the high priestly prayer. And he starts it with these words. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son. He knew this was not going to be easy. So he's calling on God. Help me to do this. To bring you glory. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people. That he may, might give eternal life to all those you had given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Jesus knew his purpose, and he didn't let anything or anyone stand in his way of accomplishing what he came to do. We might remember the Garden of Gethsemane. He struggles. He knows what's coming. But he doesn't let fear, he doesn't let anything get in his way. Every Sunday, we proclaim that we are committed to sharing in hope, living with purpose for the sake of others. Now, the questions for you to reflect on this week. Do you, do you know your individual purpose? As a follower of Jesus. Okay. You individually. And the second question is. Is there something standing in the way. Of you accomplishing that purpose more fully. Do you know your individual purpose. 
as a follower of Jesus? And is there anything or something standing in the way of you accomplishing that purpose more fully? Let's not follow Peter's example of being led astray by what we want. Let's keep our eyes focused on what God wants. And if we do this, we may just find out that he will fulfill our deepest desires, what we really want. Psalm 37.4 is a good reminder for all of us. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Please join me in prayer. Dear most gracious God, we thank you that sometimes you say the hard words to us. Sometimes you, um, you need to show us where we're getting off track. So we thank you for that, even though sometimes it's uncomfortable and it's a challenge. But Lord, you know what is best for us. And you are good and you want to lead us in your ways that we might literally receive the desires of our heart. The desires that you place there, not the desires that we place there. And so, Lord, we ask that you just continue to walk with us into the coming week. As we reflect on those questions, Lord, help us to make time to sit in quiet and to think about those questions deeply and to ask you to speak to our hearts. And Lord, give us the ears to hear what you would have us hear. And it is in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I pray. Amen.